This is SciBite, episode 64 for September 25th, 2012. Hi everyone and welcome to SciBite, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly science podcast. Fresh every Wednesday over at jupiterbroadcasting.com. My name is Chris and joining us every single week is our host, Heather. Hey there, Heather. Hey there, Chris. Hey Heather, happy science to you. Happy science. So what are we talking about this week? This week we're going to take a look at house calls for ear infections, Ig Nobel Awards, distant galaxies, UK's Fireball, Updates on the Jupiter Impact, Red Bull Stratus, the Shuttle Endeavor, the Algebrae Warp Drive, Curiosity Updates, and as always, take a peek back into history and up in the sky this week. Well, I have a young one that suffers from earaches, and I love me some Warp Drive, Heather, so what do you say we do our first news story? All right, what is the first story? All righty, earaches. They are all over the place when you were a kid. Uh There is now going to be an iPhone attachment designed for at-home diagnosis of ear infections. (laughs) I am serious. This is interesting. So how how can you diagnose an ear infection with an an iPhone? So you yourself, you're not actually going to be diagnosing. Mom and dad, no. What you do is they, uh, it's like, you know, they have the otoscope, you know, that they put in your ear and they look at your, inside your eardrum. Hmm. So they have is they have an attachment on the iPhone that leads into the camera okay. and uses the flash for a light. So okay. essentially you're using the iPhone to kind of aim it to take a picture of your child's eardrum. Okay. And then that can be sent to your doctor. So it's so sort of like a remote pic- diagnosis utility. Yeah, so you can have pictures or video. And the upside of this is is that you can do it over a couple of days. You know, you're into the doctor. They, you know, you wait a couple of days. They see your kid, you know, ganking on his ear and screaming. And they look at it. Yep, that's red. Here, have some antibiotics. Now, there are some that kind of heal on their own. It just takes a couple extra days. But who knows when the doc's going to be able to see you again. So they kind of play on the safe side, which is understandable. But if you have this, you can actually, you know, Take a picture today, take a picture tomorrow, sort of watch it over the course of oh. a few days. And then the doctor can look at that and say, okay, yes, though this is getting more serious, come on in, or eh, give it a few more days, I bet it'll clear up, you know, take some wow. you know, antihistamines or something. So they must have <clears throat> some sort of app that the yep. customer gets along with the hardware. Okay, and then they send it off to a certain kind of doctor who must have some sort of console that downloads all the different... Cust- or all the different patient results mm-hmm. and then he goes through a review process looks at the images probably probably pulls up the patient records you know and looks yeah. at that and then makes some sort of diagnosis and then sends them back the result yeah well i mean this is in the very planning stages that's not even uh it's sort of a, a singular trial at one hospital there's not none of these okay have clinically tried to go home but i mean in theory you could have this sort of thing and you could just send it to your doctor you I know what it, else you could do. I mean, it seems like an ear infection is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Now, this specifically caught my attention because I had severe problems growing up. Uh, you know, some minor ear surgeries, and still to this day, I have kind of 
have to watch very carefully um, because of, you know, ear infections. And, you know, this kind of thing is where it it's kind of nice because you can sit at home and have the, you know, now. Well, I Dylan's, really like the tracking Dylan's the progress watch- thing. Yeah. Now Dylan's watching uh, Thomas the Train while you're... <laughs> While you're peeking at his ear instead right. of he's being in the doctor's office, which is glaring way easier to manage. Yeah, way easier to just get taken care of and manage. And you know, yeah. as a parent, I'm always wondering, like, gosh, is this getting worse? Do we need to go back in? You know, I, and it's hard yeah. to like make that judgment call. When is the appropriate time to go back into the into the doctor's office? Yeah. Whereas with this, if I could just get, you know, here it is, here it is, and you got to figure it's going to lead to better um, patient diagnosis too. If the doctor yeah. can see it over a period of time, it's more data. Yeah. And and in addition to that, there have actually been. Um, uh, you know, schools that have said, hey, medical students, this would be great because the doctor can literally point at a person's ear as they're going and say, point at it and see, see this and this. And so it's not just like, let me look in and now you look in. You can actually point to what part, you know, that this is indicating trouble or this indicates give it a few days. Yeah. Huh. So it can be used for teaching. It can be used for this kind of, you know, over time, as you were as you were saying, and, and you know what's interesting is the, imag- the imaging sensors on these smartphones are actually probably better than some of the equipment that doctors have, like with cameras on. I mean, they're re- we're getting yeah. really high resolution cameras now. We're talking eight megapixels yeah. on the latest generation stuff. Yeah, and it's so not only. I mean, you can keep an eye on you. The doctor can, you know, maybe won't get so parents won't have to be worried about so over medicating. Hmm. You know, I've had, um, you know, where I couldn't beat beat an infection. It would come back and it would go and come back. And then eventually, I got up to strong enough stuff. They're like, all right, your next trip is to the ER because we can't give you anything stronger that's not on an IV. Wow, these smartphones are going to turn into tricorders. Yeah, it's, you know, we're, we're certainly getting there. Yeah. Now, currently, it is a, uh, a clinical trial in a specific hospital, an Emory student at the Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Okay. Right now, what they're doing is they're, you know, they go up to parents with, you know, for a kid with an ear infection, say, hey, you know, do you mind, you know, this being done too? So they go and they take the picture and the doctor looks at it. Uh, so you think, hey, I know how you like your iPhone and you like your kid. What if we combine the two? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, so then they do simultaneous. They have the doctor look at something and then they have, you know, the iPhone something and then that's going to go in front. Those trials are going to go in front of a panel of doctors, and then they're going to be able to say, "Yes, this this worked to a certain degree that we are happy with it," or "No, it needs to, you know, go on and do something else." It was funny. They, um, I believe, one of the students said that he found it kind of, kind of off-putting, like surprising, because every single one of the parents who saw it saw it said, "Where can I get one?" Yeah, well, it's oh, I, I mean, I it's great one. as a parenting tool. Yeah. Especially it's like the, it's you, like having a, it's like the modern day age of the thermometer. Yeah, I mean, depending on the cost. Okay, so maybe you only get it, you know, if you have a, a couple of kids or one kid that likes to, you know, catch all the colds in the world. <laughs> then may someday do a uh, future science show. But you know, so but it is an interesting tool because they're like, I was surprised that all of the parents were like, "Where can I get this? Huh. Give me, please." Yeah. And so, you know, they, they talk to the doctors, they ask the parents. It's actually all being funded partially through the FDA. Interesting. You know, so, what, what else I find is this, this, whole line of, uh, this whole line of thinking about using these incredibly powerful computational devices, but that are also data connected. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, just think about the tools that gives just a doctor. Not yeah. even like just Joe Consumer, but if you could equip a doctor in Africa, if you could equip a doctor on the emergency scene who could uh, connect things to his smartphone and be able to determine more about a person and then send that data back. Or or imagine imagine the uh, the uh, ambulance driver and, and people that come out, maybe they could collect data on their smartphones and have that back at the hospital. So the hospital yeah. has clear information about what's coming in and can mm-hmm. already be prepared by the time they arrive. Yeah, this is getting closer and closer. I uh, had a coworker years ago who had uh, extended family in um, uh, Chile in South America. And it was kind of remote and they were able to uh, take a MRI of one of the kids' heads and they had a small, uh, what looked like a tumor. And so they had all the, the prints and they're like, okay, well, they say they need to operate right now, uh. but we're not sure. So they you know, stuff it all on an envelope try to, you know, cross it, cross, you know, all the borders and customs and everything to try to get it up here to have, you know, doctors in Denver, Colorado, you know, you know, children's hospital specialists look at it and say, okay, but the speed of it couldn't match up to what was needed. You know, and if in this kind of a case, you know, you have the instant technology and all the smartphones where it's, you know, click, send it to here and yeah. it, it is instantaneous. And there are some. I'm pretty sure there are some third world, you know, doctors, you know, these remote locations we're hearing more and more about, you know, ways that they can take care on the scene and be able to talk to people, you know, to specialists across the world. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, maybe there is, um, there may be, you know, a handful of doctors that specialize in these specific rare conditions. Now you are over in Nova Scotia and you have a rare condition. I'm just pulling it out of my hat, Nova Scotia, sorry. And so now you have access to this, you know, doctor, maybe he needs, you know, something that these smartphones can give you. Well, it's interesting, right? Because I had this, uh, I had a client who was one of the top uh, neurosurgeons in, in the United States. And oh, wow. uh, he, uh, he was in such demand that he was part of an early pilot program to uh, use video conferencing. To do remote diagnosis, and he was part of early. He was also part of early, like remote patient record accessibility, and he was even part of early remote robotic surgery equipment. And uh, you know, this was really right when the iPhone had just been announced, and the Android devices were just announced. And you know, their capabilities weren't really quite understood, and so they were looking Mm -hmm. at these, at these like these video systems, just so that way he could see the patient and get a good high resolution imagery of what was going on. And it was like Mm -hmm. a two thousand dollar unit on each end, and then you know, uh, a multi hundred dollar contract to service it all the time every month, Mm -hmm. and. all of that seems like it could go away with a good, reliable smartphone. And yeah. you combine these these tools with the data now. I, I was I was testing LTE in my local neighborhood, and I'm getting 22 megabits speed. So wow. you could actually do, you know, and 16 me- that's and that's download and 16 megabits upload, and you can do real real time video stuff with that. And it, it would yeah. be huge for this kind of stuff. Combine that with what they're doing here, and that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, this is just regular iPhone stuff. What? Yeah, I don't know why they would, but what happens if, you know, they decided to go like, iPhone doctor, doctor iPhone. <laughs> so then they have these specifically ones that are, you know, maybe have, you know, a port for, you know, extra attachments so that you can have, you know, doctors or specifically, you know, a higher class of technology people that specifically need these kind of things where, you know, this yeah. hospital has it and you so 
like the pro line like now you know they have like they have like regular computers like apple does they have regular computers and they have their pro line that cost a lot you could have a pro line of these mobile devices and you know honestly you'll probably see this more in the android marketplace because they already have android devices that have standard usb ports and you know expansion slots that will take devices so while they're writing their stuff around the iphone the reality is like if the things like uh, the things like the Android devices out there are a little more open are probably more likely uh-huh. to to see more direct hardware medical use and you know yeah. all those kinds of things. But it it what I love about this approach is it's taking something that we already all have, right? It's not a new yeah. theoretical piece of hardware that has to be created. It's it's something that most people you know a lot of people not Heather but a lot of people have yep. in their pocket. Yeah. So you know it's that, and then it's so you have one extra piece of equipment, and then you know whatever app to send it to your yeah, doctor yeah and then and you have a go. medical tricorder like the chat room said <laughs> medical tricorder <laughs> one step closer that's really something that is really something well any other thoughts on that one no i'm looking forward to see where this goes and you know like you said other and techniques just the start, and how much right yeah just the start and yeah. how much closer to tricorder our phone's getting right and you think about that's it all. Uh, the uh, the uh, benchmarks on the current generation of iPhone and fi- iPhone five and the Samsung mm-hmm. Galaxy S three, they put them at performing at those benchmarks that the that the highest end desktops in two thousand five performed at. So Jeez. the top end smartphones are now performing at what our highest end computers performed at in certain benchmarks, and that is just that trend is just continuing. So we're just at the tip of the iceberg here. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Well, all right then. Why don't we uh, take a quick moment now? Everybody here on this here podcast probably knows that uh, one of the things I like to mention is that uh, Jupiter Broadcasting and shows like SciBite are uh, funded by our audience. I think that's something probably probably people are pretty familiar with, and we've got those affiliate links at the bottom of our website. And uh, Netflix has been asking me to mention Netflix. Uh, they said that we had some people that uh, were really clicking on that for a while, but then everybody dropped off because I kind of stopped mentioning it because they don't support Linux. Uh, and I told them as such. I was like, "Look, you guys don't support Linux. There's only so much I can do." Uh, but if you know, if you're gonna get it for somebody for your, either for yourself or somebody for the holidays, maybe consider clicking on Netflix down there because we get a good little kickback from that. Uh, and all of the uh, all of the affiliates down there are great. They're ones that we've all handpicked and we you know we use ourselves. We've also got the uh, browser extensions that you can install in your browser, and it'll just tag it for uh, for any of the sites that uh, our members are affiliates. And those are even ones that aren't even linked down there. We have more. And we're always adding features to that. Uh, so that's always something to check out too, like whitelisting. So if you want to give affiliate credit to some other people when you visit certain sites, maybe you have some other network or uh, DuckDuckGo you want to support, that kind of stuff's being added always to the extension. So it kind of gives you more flexibility if you go that route. Now, Heather always likes to make a few really great picks when we get to this section of the show. And yeah. uh, Heather, the first one you put in here because it's released today, and we've yes. been talking about it for a little bit, is The Avengers. Yes. And you haven't seen this yet. No, because it came out today, and I put science over the Avengers, guys. You are... I'm a trooper. A trooper. You are a trooper. <laughs> and it's a fun movie. It's a lot yeah. of fun. It's, it's you know, I, I went and saw it in the theater, and uh, I don't regret that at all. I only saw a few movies in the theater this summer. This is one of them, and this is also one of those where it's like, if you have a Blu-ray player, uh, I mean, it looks great on DVD, of course. Yeah. But if you have a Blu-ray player, this is one of those movies that reminds you why you have a, a Blu-ray player. It really is. Yeah. It's just, it's going to be gorgeous. Now, though, if, if that's not enough science for you, if you're like, okay, guys, that's cool, but superheroes, I like me the science, well, maybe oh. we could reminisce about the space shuttle, celebrating yes. 30 years of NASA's first space plane. This is a pretty book, right, Heather? Yes. 
that one is just loads of just gorgeous pictures throughout the you know throughout the pr- the program of the space shuttle kind of what led up to it during the program so it's, i kind of saw that and it was like really nice to yeah, yeah. to kind of look at totally so that'd be a great one and the other one that heather has in here which looks really great final countdown nasa and the end of the space shuttle program now this yeah, is a, yeah yeah that one's more of a, a a serious read so they're kind of good bookends a yeah, great deal though yeah uh, for, on like, kindle 9.99 on kindle yeah so i mean yeah can't, can't beat it and you got the two ends you got a whole bunch of you know knowledge and in-depth information or kind of a you know the vague you know the skimmed version but loads of beautiful things to look at yeah, so check that out. We'll have links to that in the show notes. If you use those links that we've placed on the show notes, then a portion of your uh, shopping session, uh, just like our other affiliates, uh, goes to Jupiter Broadcasting. And the nice thing about that is, while we do support donations directly, and those are great, and that we can budget on those, which is amazing, the great thing, though, about the affiliate programs for you guys is you can still support us without really impacting your budget. You already get the stuff you're going to get anyways, but you can also still support us. And that's, that's honestly why I like to mention that so much. All right, Heather, well, why don't we move on to the News Bite. That clip reminds me of Superman for some reason. All right, Heather, what is our uh, our first story in the news bite? Okay, we've got the Nobel Awards coming up here in a few weeks, and now they have what's called the Ig Nobel Awards. It's kind of the first year that I really saw this, and it came to me because these are so these are awards that are sort of what is as they say it um, intel- intended to celebrate the unusual and honor the imaginative. Oh, okay. So kind of things that they say kind of make you laugh at first and then like think. So one of them, mm. the one that spotted was called the speech jammer, which immediately I was like, you know, disrupts a person's speech when they hear their own spoken words at a slight delay. I was oh, like, really? Well, that's true. <laughs> I know that. But this study showed that even a few uh, hundred milliseconds yeah, well, you know, people stumble. this is a person, this is an area I have a lot of personal experience with because depending yeah. on how I have the audio set up any given day, I sometimes am exposed to a little bit of delay and it sometimes mm-hmm. it's just very slight and, uh, uh, oh boy, you have no idea yeah. how, how distracting that is until yes. you've done it. So yeah, the whole, the whole, that whole, uh, project was to kind of give a, a speak, you know, a speaker, you know, idea of if they were going slow or over time and so kind of kind of stall them out like oh wait i'm over time i must slow down and wrap this up it takes and a special kind of practice to uh to uh tune stuff talk out. over that yeah yeah yes yeah i saw a video where they were i guess they were kind of joking around they were like had a a hand gun almost like a cop um you know checking your your speed and it kind of shines light at a professor and you know it like supposedly like beaming his voice back at him and he's like stumbling and it's like you tired of class? Get out now. And I was like, oh my gosh. That's great. But they have some other things. Like um, for psychology, it was leaning to the left makes the Eiffel Tower seem smaller. So they had like some people on uh, Wii balance boards and leaning just slightly to the left or to the right, seeing how how thing, they perceived objects. So do they perceive them shorter or taller and why? So kind of going through that. Um, is this you know, a is this a way to generate buzz? Is that what this is? Sort of. I mean, there are people who. Okay, so there's one that was, you know, he started off because he saw ponytails swing side to side when women were jogging, and he's like, "Huh, I wonder why." Now it ends up being this very complicated study of 
you know, thousands of strands of hair and how they bounce and what go together. So there's all sorts of math. There's science involved there. Yeah, into it. Yeah. yeah, there is science in it. But some of this is yes. I mean, it's a, it's showy science. Yeah, it, it's showy science. Scientists like to be goofy too. All right, we do. We right. have a different kind of goofy. All right. I I did think their uh, award for literature was was rather humorous. The Ugh. U.S. Government General Accountability Office issued a report about reports about reports that recommends the preparation of a report about the reports about reports about reports. <laughs> and it I don't know if it was that bad, but there was a report about reports that was kind of amusing. That is that sounds about accurate, actually. <laughs> so, but you know, it was you know various kind of crazy kooky things, and it's like. Oh, wait, that, that's funny. No, wait, actually. Some of these, you know. Uh, there was a town in Sweden where, you know, a chunk of the people's you know, population, they move into new houses and their hair was turning green. What? Yeah, and they're like, okay, why are yeah. the people's hair turning green? Why is that? So they went through and it turns out, I kind of wondered at first, it was the copper pipes. I was going to call that. I was going to say it was copper pipes. Yes. Hot water in copper kind of activates it. And so when it sat in the, you know, heated and then, you know, wash your hair in hot water and it turns your hair green. They should have just asked us. We, we could have told them. Yep. And so it was like, now the people have two options. Wash your hair in cold water or buy an old house. Not new house, but old house. Hmm. Because the, it was just the, the coatings that were different. For these new houses. And I've had it in um, various pieces of equipment where I can, you know, I'm running through a heat exchanger. Oh, sure. And there's some the copper in there. And I, you know, okay, here's my water sample. I'll come back the next morning. Green. I think I reached past its limit. <laughs> shake, shake. Oh, no. I, uh, I learned it because my high school, uh, the water would sometimes be green. Oh. Yeah, we had an old school, so it was, yeah. was kind of gross. Yeah. Kind of Mine tasted like iron fillings. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Jeez. <laughs> well, uh, should we talk about ancient galaxies? Or an, a- or an ancient galaxy? An ancient galaxy. Yes. So the combined power of the NASA Spitz and Hubble Space Telescopes, as well as a cosmic magnification effect. The combined le- strength. Yes. It has led astronomers spot what could be the most distant galaxy ever detected. So we have uh, spotted something so far away that's been beyond our grasp until we combine these two things. Three things. Three things. Three things. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So the Spitzer and Hubble working together would not be able to see this. Okay. Not by a long shot, except mm. with something called gravitational lensing. Um, Albert Einstein predicted it a, a century ago. It's that if you have a very um, you know, massive object between... You know, say the doorknob and your eyes. So you have a really massive object in between you. Mm-hmm. What could actually happen is the light from the reflecting off the doorknob could actually be bent around and you could still see it. And in fact, it would be you know, magnified and brightened by about 15 times. So that's what happened here is that there was a large galaxy in front of it and you, it got a, the light bent around it. So off to the side, you could see... This red little blob, just tiny and barely there. And so that's been, you know, being magnified 15 times brought it barely into view of like the combined power of a couple of telescopes. Wow. And so this thing 
when the the light left this galaxy, when it was, um, when the universe was only like three point six percent its current age. So it was like right now it's like thirteen point seven billion, and that we're looking at it when the universe was only five hundred million. It's really, really small, like 1% of the mass of the Milky Way. Now, what this does do is it actually confirms and supports some of our cosmological theories. So often we hear about things that go, huh, right, my right. theory, we need to retweak you. Yeah. This one actually says yes. Okay, good. <laughs> Thump, fist on table. Good. This actually says, we think, no, theories were that the first galaxies would probably have been started off really tiny, mm-hmm. then would have, you know, merged together into bigger and bigger objects. So this is very, it's a very early, very tiny galaxy. So it kind of actually supports the ideas in the hope that, you know, they'll be able to, in the future, they'll be able to look and maybe see, find other things like this or with the James Webb Telescope, you know, Hubble's quote-unquote replacement or next generation whenever it should get up into the sky currently slated for 2018 but we shall see hand wavy mm, mm. so that would actually be able to view oh, would things it? like this oh really yes okay. so it would so that when we actually see these barely observable objects yeah. like this that have have a lot of potential it's like they get on like the the top 10 list so in 2018 if everything were to go really super great it goes up and then maybe we see potentially some better pictures yeah huh that's a long time to wait well it'll go by pretty quick though sometimes 2012 if it goes by if it comes as fast as 2012 has gone by it's not that far away oh goodness right i mean 2012 was booking heather it's almost the end of this month yeah, there should be some laws of physics that were broken. This is our last episode of September. Oh my goodness! It's wild. It's wild. Our our next our next episode will be in October. Oh that's, my goodness! That's too soon. Um, any other thoughts on that one? No, I'm just kind of looking forward to if we spot other things like this that can hopefully confirm some theories. Even if they don't, that that that's fine too. Hey, science and likes a win, right? Sci- in science, everything's a win. <laughs> and- <laughs> nice, Heather. Nice. <laughs> Two bite news. Two bite news on Cybite here tonight on the Two Bite News. I ran out of steam that time. Last week I ran out of clip. This time I ran out of steam. All right, Heather, what is our first story in the Two Bite News? Alrighty, our friends in the UK and Scotland might have seen a giant alien invasion. Oh. No, not oh. not alien invasion. Actually, that might have made the you know, international news. But this was a meteor seen uh, Friday the 21st. It broke up. I've seen videos of this. I have some uh, linked in the show notes where it, it, you could really see how it broke up into multiple different pieces and they've got from different angles. So kind of one where it's coming straight at and you can sort of see how it's breaking up into various pieces. And I saw one video like from the side, you could see really a trail. Yeah, that one's great. Of all these pieces. And though, of course you see that and you're like, huh. That looks like an alien spacecraft. Yeah. No, not alien spacecraft. Some people thought it was spacecraft, not alien, more like human. Well, okay. That's not as as exciting, but still interesting. No, but um, so astronomer came through and they have a lot of people who are tracking large satellites, things of that nature. So kind of backtracked what, what speed it was, where it was, you know, if it had all these different pieces about, you know, you had to backtrack rough mass of what it was so kind of looking back and like no it wasn't it wasn't anything uh 
that was orbiting it was not man-made. So it was just a random meteor. You might remember earlier this year, there was one over uh, California. Yeah. In uh, in the U.S. So it's just one of those one of those events where it's occasionally you get these. You get a handful of really bright fireballs every year. Now, one of these videos has the patented iPhone uh, vertical video framing. And so I think this other one might too. So both of these were taken with smartphones. And this is another, going back to the smartphone thing, this is another cool thing that like, you know, a few years ago, we wouldn't be sitting here looking at these videos because nobody would have these videos because not everybody had a portable video recorder in their pocket. Yeah. Now I do suggest, should you watch any of these videos, mute them. Uh, especially if you're trying to show the signs to you know coworkers or underage people because i have read that some of them may not have science-friendly language they were probably hooting and hollering right yeah and not saying very nice science words yeah well that that's that's all right that's okay the video is really all you need yeah as long as you mute it well heather uh i have this uh this funny little thing here just sitting here flashing at me it's just like oh Oh, Whoa. Let's do- oh, there I go. Okay, so this, oh, well, I got to get this dot matrix printer replaced because it just takes forever to spit out. It says we have yeah. an update on a few things. We do. I mentioned a week or two ago uh, how the Jupiter impact, it happened you know, just a couple hours. Was- right, the one caught with the webcam. Yeah, the webcam and then another uh, observer. It came in, like, ad- added it, like, the day of the show. And so they've been actually able to to view it, so they're able to watch, you know, we are watching to wait um, as it came around the other side of Jupiter, see if there was a, a, a scar like you know, Shoemaker Levy or other large impactors do. They kind of leave a scar. This one did not, so kind of bet the end of its uh, science availability. Uh, now, if it had left a scar, what, you, what that really means is that you can have telescopes look at it in the near infrared or in various uh, spectroscop- spectroscopic analysis, and you can kind of see because it pokes a hole in the cloud, and you kind of sometimes see get an idea of what the object was made of. So you can kind of guess, was it an asteroid? Was it a comet? Ah. So you can kind of see that. So because there weren't any indications early on that that anything was really going on, they kind of had Hubble on on standby. Kind of, you know, just like, hey guys, just, just keep an ear open. But Hubble did not have to drop what it was doing and turn to look at Jupiter. Now refresh my memory. Were we contacted before or after last week's episode by the, one of the people that had that to got that photo uh, not by the person but somebody saw it and uh notified us before oh, the show that's how, okay, I, okay. that's how i saw very neat that was a very interesting story so folks should go back and check out cybite 62 if they missed the uh, origination of that but somebody had a webcam hooked up to their telescope and actually just happened to be capturing footage of jupiter and caught some really great yeah. impacts it was you know he set it up overnight and then another observation came in and said hey i think i saw something (laughs) and so that guy went huh i was recording jupiter in my sleep let's go check that out i think we were just freaking out jukes come in in the chat room a little bit (laughs) i'm (laughs) unplugging my webcam that's creepy uh all right well i need to get hyped up maybe maybe it's time for a red bull huh heather sure yeah i I don't i don't know i think that's what they want me to say when we talk about this next story probably so red bull stratus we've heard about them they you know keep aiming towards that you know, large leap of crazy science. Right. I've seen some photos, craziness. some stills. So they now have a target date for their final jump. They're targeting for October 8th. So, they've, so they've just got the, after next show. Yeah. So they kind of got approval for that time now. 
they'll I, I would expect delays for weather for last minute technical issues. Um, you know, so so often it's you know T minus four hours from launch, and then oh wait, this little fuse is not one hundred percent happy. Let's stop. Right. Make sure everything's okay. Right. So we'll see. I mean, it could go off. I mean, they've been up a there hitch. a lot already. You know, they I mean, have. haven't they done test ones? Yes, they've done tests. They w- just had one a couple months ago. So I you know, I mean, they, it's not like it. it's not like it's the first time. No, this what, is just the, the first, highest by far. Right, the highest, and they're recording all of it. Yes, but they're not releasing it yet until it's some sort of like dramatic fashion, right? Yeah. Now I believe during the event they are actually going to webcast it. Oh, cool. They're going to webcast the attempt so you can go over to uh, you know, their website, Ripple Stratus, and watch it. They actually also have a contest where you can estimate where he's going to land. So there's okay. like a map and there's a whole bunch of people with pins. Okay. You can like say like, all right, I think he's going to go here. And in that case, a lot of science is your friend because there's so much about as the wind at various levels. Yeah, okay. They, okay. I see, I see. It's only, they almost make it a game. Yeah, in fact, they even call it play. Okay, this, okay that's kind of no. fun. That's kind of yeah. neat. So, you know, you can just randomly guess or you can, you know, be as obsessive compulsive as you wish to go through and check out what the, how fast the winds typically run that time of year. And as you get closer, how much, you know, how close to the event can you update and oh, do you have, you know, newer wind velocities and which direction is it going at various levels of the atmosphere and kind of calculate how he's going to go this way and that way. And <laughs> hey, I've done balloon balloon chasing stuff for instrumentation so you might have a shot at this then heather oh goodness no no you I don't like think the, so i like the gps yeah okay. i was like oh please if you have gps then i'm like please let us find it because it's is... going to be often from farmer's field and i've gone knocking up on doors tong 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 this is a pretty Hi. clever this is pretty clever yeah so they've got a whole bunch of different different things that are going on. You've got you know the hype that has been going on. Then you've got this where it's, you can you, know, you can do it. And there's like a handful of things that they're like the five closest people are going to win some some stuff that's going up with him. Or there's some actual things that you can win if you're the closest. Yeah, one of them looked like a big fancy watch. Yeah, which I haven't used a watch in a long time, but I know a lot of people like them quite a bit. Yep. Well, very cool. You know what, Heather? Uh, we're just in time because I have a red flashing light right here on the old classic Cybite 2000. And let me... Uh, oh, yeah? Oh, look at that. <laughs> See, I knew I kept the Cybite 2000 around. It's time for a yeah. spacecraft update. It is the Space Shuttle Program. Mm. So the Shuttle Endeavor made its final cross-country trip and is landed in California at LAX on the 21st. Yes. Now, Lots of great pictures. It, yes, there's... Three million and four pictures and videos out there. If you were following my Twitter, you saw you know me update and be all excited about the various days, and it got delayed for weather a few times. It got pushed back two, maybe three days. Yeah, a solid two days. It got pushed back because of weather along the Gulf Coast. So I was kind of watching online as often as I could. There was you know a f- almost like an FAA flight tracker for a short bit of it where you could actually watch the little dot move. Neat. But some of it they weren't. Some of it they were kind of keeping quiet as to where exactly they were at any one time if they weren't flying over cities. So there's a couple, there's quite a few iconic images of it, you know, doing the flyovers. I did see, and I didn't get a chance to respond, there was um, some sort of government official. I don't recall who or what office. It was 
you know, not upper levels, but saying, hey, those flybys may be cool, but how much are they costing us? Now, actually, oh, here we go. <laughs> if you listened, whoever took the shuttles had to pay. They paid for the, you know, dis- dismantling or, you know, music museumification of these. So you're taking out all the hazardous chemicals, making them safe to be near people, um, transporting them across the country. So it came up front and they had like a, a huge price tag at first. And then they kind of reanalyzed and said, all right, now it's, I, I don't recall how much, but you know, so many millions of dollars that it was, you know, a price tag you had to pay for just essentially shipping and handling charges. Yeah. And, and so, if you think about this imagery, will be looked at for forever. Well, yeah. I mean, there is the the obvious... Historic value to this. Hi- historic value. And as it flew overhead, all the people, you know, in I mean, Houston, like, it's like, Mississippi, it's like, it's and like all these places it flew over, we're able to see it. It's like achievement of humanity type historic significance. You know, it's not like, it's not like oh man, that, that 1956 Chevy is really a slick looking car. No, this is like... <laughs> Look what humanity accomplished, and the yeah. monkeys actually got off the planet for a while and flew around, and this is the vehicle they did it in. So we should probably yeah. have pictures of that, and I think it's kind of worth it. Well, yeah, and the fact that, I mean, it could just be tra- transported straight you know, to and from, but it did a lot of fly, you know, dive down, fly around a couple of cities, you know, fly around uh, specific NASA locations and you know, landed in Ellington and that was the question that he was saying. Yeah, I thought the fly over the football games was a little upset. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know about football games, but <laughs> there was cities that it would fly around and kind of stop for the people. And that's what they were like. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone gets to look, but no, it was actually the, you know, in this case, the museum in uh, California who purchased it, you know, so there, there's lots of technical ways to say it, but, Essentially, I look at it shipping and handling charges. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, very, very interesting stuff. And been, it's been very fun in a way. It's been very, yes. not fun, but uh, it's been nice. Yeah, my my Twitter kind of exploded off and on. And I was like, it's the closing of a chapter. Yeah. Opening of another one. Right. In a sad, very disjointed, trying to be hopeful voice. So hopefully we shall move on and yes. hopefully that... Seeing the shuttles, lots of little kids going through museums will be inspired. Well, I have something to uh, pick us up. It's an incoming oh. communication. Yeah. Now, you can uh, reach the show, SciBite at JupiterBroadcasting.com, or you can always tweet something at Heather, Mar- or JB underscore Mars underscore base. Yes. On Twitter. Yes. All right. Yes. So, uh, what's the feedback? So, I had a couple of people uh, point out to me, um, some people on Twitter, uh, you know, hey, this Algipuri, the warp drive thing. Where it's, oh, yeah, yeah. I saw that. I talked about it yeah. um, last year. And, I, you know, it came up in the news. And I'm like, oh, psh, whatever. So I kind of wrote it off right at first. Because you're like, we've talked about this. Sci-bite, like, Sci-Bite's been, this is funny. Sci-Bite really does get way ahead of the mainstream media. Like, like Okay, so not ahead, that right? badly. But sometimes it, it'll pop up where yeah. it's like, oh, my gosh. You, hey, think we've, you think we've talked about it. Because, like, we talked about this already. We must have, yeah. right? Yeah. I know what yeah. you mean. Yeah, I do that yeah, with the other so. shows, too, sometimes. So I was like, well, it, it was nothing significantly new. So then, then you know, enough people kind of said, um, hey, look. No, you know, you know I, I, I figured so I it was something new. Yeah, it had to have been, right? Because there was a big enough stink. Yeah. 
Well, I was eyes deep in other science. So I actually looked and what it is is, so the whole idea behind it is to literally warp space and time around a ship. So it's sort of contracting um, you know, space time in front of you and expanding it behind you. So it's kind of shuffling you forward. So think of a, a trampoline and you have a ball. You want to get it from one end of the trampoline to the other. So you have, you know, some sticks and you push down on the trampoline in front of it and push up and f- behind it. So you're kind of warping so what, space around it. To now, kind is of, this something they've I, demonstrated? Oh, goodness, no. This is all theoretical. So with, well, this is the whole idea of how you could get around going tr- faster than light travel because your ship would be sitting in this little bubble of space-time that's really not are you, doing are, are much. You, are you screwing with me? No, no, I'm I'm totally not. This is this is. They're real. seriously taking. I mean, I mean, I'm not trying to be that guy, but I mean, Star Trek. You're that guy, but yes. Star Trek literally made this up 40 years ago. So, yeah. So they're coming up with science that kind of shows that it could be sort of possible. There's been a, quite a few things that Star Trek thought of that then later on science has been like, yeah, you know, we think we could do transporters. Yeah, you know, we have communicators now. Yeah, we well, have it's like pads. one of those things where you read something really cool, or you see something, you're like, "We could so do that if I just catch up on the science." Do you wonder if, like the if like the thought got planted in people's brains and they just kept sciencing it until they found it? Well, you have to assume that that's part of it. The what made it sort of write off so much was that the energy required to sort of yeah. morph space and time right. around you was just ridiculously. So that's why Star Trek came up with antimatter. Yeah, but now they're kind of going back and saying that if you, depending on how you did it, if you had a spaceship, if you had the, like a donut of a shaped ring around you as opposed to a, a flat ring, huh. just the, the configuration of what's going on around you, that it could reduce the energy required by significant amounts. They actually say that these calculations say that the, they keep calling it warp drive, but the warp drive could be powered by a mass about the size of Voyager One. So the no, new thing was no. that they had. Yes, um, they keep. I love. I love how this comes back, but it's sort of the whole idea is that the 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 math, hand wavy math behind it. Now I know for certain that there are much smarter people than me that will think completely one side or the other and think me insane for saying saying no matter what I say. But so that this is no calculations suggest that it's not going to require as much energy depending on how you tweak the system, which is Hmm. seems kind of kind of obvious. So they're thinking that hopefully maybe should they be able to tweak things more, maybe it'll be even less energy and they're actually they've begun experimenting with mini versions in a laboratory. Oh really? They're, so they're they're trying to do some sort of testing. They are trying. So it's still just kind of out there, but it is less out there than it was before. So it kind of makes it more in the realms of sort of kind of possible. Hmm. If I can be as hand weighty as even more than science can be sometimes. I gotta tell you, I sort of I don't know. My brain is sort of spinning. I don't quite know what to make of this because. Uh, uh, you talk about you talk about how they're uh, they're talking about maybe they need some sort of uh, spherical type uh, 
type uh, warp field, so that way it would require less power. And, I mean, the thing that's kind of funny about that is there was specifically an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where they converted their warp field to more of a spherical-type warp field, and <laughs> they traveled much farther using less power. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's just pretty wild. Yes. Yeah, one of the stories was talking about that. Another one was talking about, you know, if spinning, you know, if they started spinning, could you change it? Then it was, you know, contact that, you know, movie about you know talking to to aliens and transporting through space and time and so there's always kind of things where it's you see similar things in science fiction yeah yeah now science is catching up that somewhere in science fiction a lot of actual science happened just by pure coincidence or because well sometimes some really smart people thought stuff through and uh now all i'm i'm gonna you know what i'm just gonna just chalk it up all to that uh, I'm just going to get really upset if you come on in a future episode and tell me that they think the way they can harness these warp fields is by channeling th- them through some type of crystal. And then I'm going to get upset. Cause if- okay. <laughs> you start if talking I about see- dilithium around here. It's I don't know what okay, I'm going to Okay, we're not going to call it dilithium because dilithium is actually right. something, but right. not going to be used for this. Right. And and no matter what they call it, I'll, I'll uh, I don't know, yeah. the crystal that shall not be yeah, named. Well, yeah, that, that's fine. That's fine with me. That's fine. We'll, we'll, fi- we'll figure something out. All right, Heather, what do you say we swing by Mars and we do a Curiosity update? And lift off of the Atlas V with Curiosity. Touchdown confirmed. We're safe on Mars. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yes. We're still on Mars, so what's going on? Oh, yes. So the vehicle instrument checkouts have, you know, they continue. So Ugh. most, well, they, they're almost done. Okay. So... One of the things they're able to do, actually, is they're actually t- able to time it. So they took images of Mars's moon, Phobos, as it passed in front of the sun. Oh, now, now you got me. That's cool. Yep, there's a, uh, a picture in the, in the show notes that, for that about that, so you can kind oh, of click on and see. You know, it's like a little black dot in front of the sun. And it's interesting because one of the moons, I believe uh, Deimos, actually, they don't have good orbital information on it. Oh, really? So now they can so, kind of... So, oh, there this is. is Phobos. This is the one that's much larger and able to, uh, you know, uh, analyze it and kind of predict where it was going to be. But it was kind of interesting that they're able to do that. And the big happy science moment this week was they were actually able to contact a rock. <laughs> they were so, able to reach out and touch a rock. Uh... They make contact with a rock. Okay, that that's exciting. I mean, that is awesome. Yes. It's our first rock, isn't it? Yes, it is the first rock that they've actually touched and started to do science on. So. Now, was there a, was there a creature under that rock? No. no. Okay. Okay. All right. No. N- not really. No. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. It's it, it, it's okay. Uh, so there was you know it was um, you could see in the in the videos named uh, Jacob uh, Medovich. Yeah, they I, named it after uh, him. Yep, he was a uh, chief engineer, surface operations chief engineer for uh, this one. He worked on Curiosity, for Sojourner, for Spirit, for Opportunity. He worked on a lot of these different things. Uh, passed away right after uh, Curiosity landed. Mm. But, but, so, you know, it ha- it was named after him. But this is a target rock they kind of saw. It's a pyramid-shaped rock. They were able to reach out, um, take comp- images of it. So they were able to take the Mars hand lens imager 
take some pictures at 10 inches, at 2 inches, at 1 inch, kind of as it got closer and closer. They kind of cropped those images, you know, together so you can see in high detail, you know, so as they get closer and closer. They were also, one of the major goals for analyzing this rock is to cross-calibrate two of the instruments. You have the uh, alpha particle X-ray spectrometer. Uh, So that's where you go out and you you get a little bit of sample and you dump it in and it's able to shoot x you know x-rays through it and kind of how everything bounces they're able to read um from the diffraction what would be in that sample and they've also got the um chemcam so that's the one where the laser shoots out vaporizes a little bit of rock and they're able to take the uh spectrometry uh, spectro- spectrometry from that mm. so they're able to kind of go at this both both directions and say, all right, we know what this rock says from this instrument and this instrument and kind of see how the calibrations between the two are. So after we finish doing all the uh, all the science on this rock and everything's <laughs> calibrated and they feel like they've... We got our science hands all over this rock. Yeah. <laughs> all, all the science is, is happier. We can start trucking on to the... Uh, kind of the areas that we're looking to more closely examine. So this is kind of a close-by rock that was good to kind, well, vaguely close so that you can get all these instruments done and it's kind of in the right place where all the arm testing is pretty much complete so that you can, we know all the instruments work, now we can go over and we can start using them and see how they're, you know, how they're actually working. It's kind of like marking your territory. you just kind of like a dog. You go up there, sniff some rocks. You know, you're letting, you're letting Mars know who's boss. Science can face palm apparently. <laughs> All right, Heather. I've discovered this. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we jump in the time machine? Because I believe. Close. Keep it close. Keep it. Don't leave. No. Oh, man. Yeah. No, I got these lights installed in here. They're new. You like them? Very nice, yeah, right? I, I could see how close I was to falling out. I know. Well, that's why I put them in there. So this uh, trip, this well, this week, takes us to. 150 years ago, September 28th, 1858. What happened? This week in science, Heather. Donati's Comet became the first to be photographed. Uh-huh. So the what's commonly thought of as the you know first photograph, as, as common as people think of first photographs of comets go, mm. was in the uh, 1880s, so like 30 years later. But this is actually sort of a recovered, you know, they found an older photograph. And it was, there's some, you know, paintings and images of this. Yeah, I've seen like, I've seen what look like paintings. Yeah, so it's a big comet and it has you know, a huge curving tail and like two shooting off spikes it looks like. And what it is is it's two um, uh, different tails. There are dust trails and there are gas tails. So it, it's, it's kind of weird. Sometimes you'll see comets with these different things. A gas tail is generally um, thinner, smaller. That is where... The solar wind is blowing, hits the comet, and it kind of um, is boiling off or it's you know, uh-huh. creating a trail behind it. Now, as the comet moves through the you know, solar system, it's leaving behind a dust trail. Mm-hmm. So, this, you know, think, you know, on, on a rough scale, kid walking across the room trying to eat a cookie. There's crumbs of cookies in one direction and there's a shadow in another. So you've got the, you know, from the sun... Or from the you know the light source you have, you see where, you know what's happening there, and you also see a, a a trail of dust 
behind it. So this was a, a case where it was spectacularly different. Um, the image that they found, actually, it was kind of odd that they went the next night in the observations, and it was, there was, like, really nothing. It was not, it, the observations weren't very good. So it was just, like, this one glass film that they were able to catch this on. But a comet was pictured. Now let us wait for the next great comet, and you will definitely hear about it. There you here. go. There you go, right here on SciBite. Now, why don't yes. we recalibrate the SciBite computer and look right. up into the sky this week? That's right. Saturday, September the 29th, we've got Harvest Moon, which is the full moon closest to the fall equinox. And a lot of people may know it's because Harvest Moon it means that the moon was really bright at night and you could continue harvesting and could not use the excuse that the sun went down in its bedtime. You had to work right through the night. Or as long as the moon was up. It's, it's, actually it's always gonna, really cool looking too. Oh yeah, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna look pretty full for uh, quite a few nights, three or four nights where it's gonna be. Uh, it may be technically full for all of those nights, or pretty close. So I we've plan got a couple- to tell Dylan. It means I plan to tell Dylan the moon is crashing into the earth. That's Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. I won't. But it's just. Uh, not even for a few minutes. What like about? what I tell you is going to change your mind. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I if what if it goes horribly? Then you could see. Then I, yeah, I, I won't do it. No, you you made me rethink it. <laughs> I, I'm rethinking it already. Just just, just think. Because yeah. the moon could be jumping out from under his bed at three a.m. Oh yeah, see, and that would see. This is why. This is why I had to. This is why I had to work this out with you. I'm glad you brought that okay. up. Because what if I didn't get a good night's sleep because of that? Science saved you. (laughs) Okay. We do have a couple of planets visible this week. Um, Venus, about two hours before dawn, is going to rise in the east to northeast. And by dawn, it'll be high in the eastern sky. We've got Mars in the evenings, low in the southwest. And to its left and upper left, depending on which night you look, is going to be an orange star and Teres. So the lower one is Mars, because it's more down to Earth. I don't know, but there's two orange-red things over there in the southwest. The lower one is Mars. And, of course, another planet that seems to be pretty cool, Jupiter, about uh, 10, 11 p.m. is going to be rising in the east-northeast. And by dawn, it's going to actually start lining up with a couple of stars. It'll kind of be a nice row, uh, kind of a pretty thing to look at at dawn. We got wow. a couple of planets here to look to look at this week. We got a rocking sky, and of course, yeah. uh, everything, everything Heather covered is in the show notes. But specifically, this section is all outlined out there. So if Heather said something yep. that uh, stuck with you, but you didn't remember all the details, you can always go back there and, and check it out, and uh, you can then you'll know what you see when you're looking up in yep. the sky. Very cool. All right, Heather. Well, I think that's the whole show right there. Isn't I think it? that is. Well, now, thank you very much to our chat room, yeah, folks. We do film this episode in front of a live internet audience. Uh, the chat room is a big part of our show. They're they're displayed up there. They are the stars of our show. And so we always encourage you guys to join us uh, live. And we do this show Tuesdays. Uh, Tuesdays, 7.30 p.m. Pacific. And you know what? Oh, I'm a bad person. I was going to get the times for... Uh, East Coast and UTC. I apologize. I apologize. You know what I can tell you right now, actually? I can tell you right now. Uh, in, on the East Coast, that's uh, 10.30 p.m. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, 
in well boy she's if you're in the uk in london it's like 3 a.m so i don't yeah. I, I don't really think here. but in australia it's noon so hey. if you're in australia and you would like to join us live and in you dublin, know what to do for your lunch break Dublin is in the same situation London is, so yeah. Yeah, but if you're in Sydney, you should totally tune in in your lunch. Yeah. That's a great idea. All right, Heather, well, uh, thank you very much for a great show this week, and thank you, chat room, for uh, hanging out with us, and hope you folks can join us next week. Heather, where yes. can people follow you? You're over on Twitter as JB underscore underscore Mar- Mars underscore JB base. underscore Mars underscore base. We must have a link in the show notes, right? Yes. All right, there you go. You guys can find it there if you want to catch up with Twitter, uh, Heather throughout the week on Twitter, or you can email the show, SciBite at JupiterBroadcasting.com. You can find me on Twitter. I am Twitter.com slash Chris All right, everyone. Well, thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of SciBite. See you right back here next week. <laughs>